Well, hello, church. Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Ethan Magnus. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, we are so glad that you're here today. Uh, we're about three weeks into a series called Torn Together. Uh, the premise of the series is pretty simple. Uh, the reality that we all know is that all of us are torn. Uh, torn by the circumstances of our life, torn by the things we've done or others have done to us. And when we're torn, the easiest thing to happen is for us to get torn apart. For us to think that we have to hide our tornness and hide our shame and hide our brokenness. Uh, but what we know is that when we are torn apart, we are torn apart. It's just that simple. But what God invites us to do is to be torn together. Uh, we've talked about shame. Last week we looked about addiction and pornography. I do, I, I want you all to know um, uh, I'm having a little trouble keeping count, but somewhere around 30 people have reached out for help in the last week. That is an amazing work of God. I hope you are praising God. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you need to go pick up the CD or go listen to it on YouTube. Uh, we, we just, just dozens of people are reaching out to get help and freedom uh, based on last week's uh, worship service. So if that's you, maybe you need to check that out. Um, because the reality is, God does not want us to be burdened alone. We talked the first week about this very basic principle. Whatever burden you are carrying, you are not meant to carry it alone. Kind of our central text for the whole series is Galatians 6-2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this invitation to share the burdens you are bearing, it's true no matter how much you are torn. Don't think, no, my burden's too big to share. We talked about that. Your burden, when you share it, becomes lighter. You, this is true no matter how much you've been torn. It's also true no matter how you have been torn. Maybe the burden you're bearing is the burden of your own sin. Maybe it's your fault and you think, i got to fix this on my own. No, if you could fix it on your own, Jesus Christ wouldn't have died on the cross. Okay? Maybe the burden you're bearing is something somebody did to you. A lot of us are torn that way, aren't we? A lot of us are torn by what has been done to us. And when that happens, it can become so easy to get torn apart. Because the very fact that they hurt you or that they are hurting you makes you trust not just them less, it makes you trust all people less, and so you're less likely to ask for help. You're less likely to tell anybody what's going on. Many of us are torn by wounds that came from the hands of another. Now sometimes when this happens, especially when it happens to kids, we call it bullying. I'm not sure exactly where that phrase comes from. I assume it has something to do with the word bull, you know, the big animal. The one who just runs around the field terrorizing everyone else in it. We grew up living next door to cows, and it was always very important when you wanted to go play in the cow pasture, the first thing you had to do was figure out where the bull was. If it was at the far end of the pasture, well, you were fine. But if it was nearby, you were a fool to cross the fence. And I know a lot of people... A lot of people, unfortunately, go through life like that. Kids, before they step out on the playground, have to scan to figure out where the bully is. 
And if they're the far end of the playground, it's fine. I talked to a mom not long ago whose daughter was desperately, desperately asking her, please let me change schools. Because nothing they could do could get this group of girls to stop terrorizing her. I talked to a teenager who was just so tired of being pushed around and harassed by the very people who he thought were supposed to be his friends. He was ready to snap. We know bullying. Uh, here, I just I jotted down some things that we kind of all know are true about bullying. Um, we know bullying happens to lots of people. Uh, my guess is we could go around the room and many of us could tell our stories from when we were kids and we got bullied. You know, we know bullying happens in lots of ways. Sometimes it's physical, you're getting shoved. Sometimes it's verbal, you're getting harassed and insulted while everybody stands around and laughs. Uh, these days we've gotten creative. Lots of bullying happens online. You don't have to be a news junkie to hear a story about some kid who's being silly and a friend takes a video and posts it online and all of a sudden it's all over the school. Maybe it leads to suicide or maybe it just leads to a horrible school year. Sometimes bullying is based off gender. We've got a lot of that in our world right now. Usually, bullying is from somebody you know. That's another thing that's true about bullying. It, it sometimes happens from a stranger, but not usually. Usually it's a classmate, or it's a family member, or it's a sibling, or it's a cousin. Somebody you've got a relationship with. Somebody it's hard to tattle on. Somebody you're going to have to see the next day, and the next day, and the next day. But another thing we know just, just instinctively is true about bullying. And if there was a kid here today, we'd want any of them to hear it. And if you got a kid you love, you'd want them to tell it is that God still loves them and God wants them to get help. God loves the bullied and wants them to be rescued. And God even loves bullies and wants them to repent to stop, to make amends. Uh, and, and as we think about this torn together series, what does it mean for us to be torn together? If, if one of the things that happens to kids who are bullied, this is another interesting thing. Most kids who are bullied never ask for help. The few who do, by the time a kid asks for help, you almost always know it's bad. Because most kids have internalized this thing about if, if I have to ask for help, that means I'm weak. If I have to go get help, that means, you know, I don't have it together or something's wrong with me. And so what this means is that the church must particularly intervene to help people who are being bullied. And the church must particularly intervene to confront with love, but still with strength to confront those who are bullies. I love the way Jesus puts it in Matthew 25, 40. The king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Psalm 82 is a psalm criticizing Israel uh, because they have forgotten 
the law and love of God. Here's what it says. How long will you defend the unjust and so show partiality to the wicked? Instead, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Here's the thing. Most of us know everything I just said. You know kids are getting bullied. You know it happens in lots of ways. You know that it's usually somebody you know. You know God wants them to be helped. You know God still loves them. And probably you already know. But what I think we need to just name is that God's Word gives the church a special obligation to protect kids who are being bullied. And to pull this off, we are all going to need to be on the lookout together. I just want to challenge you in your relationship with the kids that you love, be on the lookout. If a kid tells you they are being hurt and harassed, believe them and protect them and get them help. Almost always, by the time they tell somebody, they've let it go on far too long because they thought they were supposed to handle it on their own. And, heaven forbid, but this happens, if you find out that your kid is hurting others, don't just defend them. Get engaged. Steer them in a different direction. That is God's best good for them. God's best good for them is to to repent. And you know this. And if we do this, God's church can be a place of healing and rescue. We could be a place where we are torn together. Families could, we could, we could gain a reputation like this. Families could know, if your kid is being bullied, go to church. Because that is where they take care of kids. And they rescue kids. And they heal kids. And they don't isolate kids, but they're torn together. I mention all this stuff about bullying because I do think this is one of the most important ways that people we love are being torn. And we as a church do need to intervene more quickly. I think God's Word just just commands us, defend the weak, rescue the weak and the needy, protect them from the hand of the wicked. God's Word commands us to intervene. The other reason I mention it, though, is because bullying doesn't stop when we're kids. It's not only kids who get bullied. Everything we just said happens to adults, too. We don't call it bullying, of course. It goes by different names. Most often we call it abuse. In fact, for some types of the way we harm each other, we call it abuse even when it happens to kids because of the severity of the damage it does. Now, I need here to do a short aside uh, that is rather confusing uh, to me and a little bit complicated, but I, I feel like I couldn't figure out how to preach this sermon without it. So it's really important for me to know uh, that we are going to talk just a little bit about how we are torn by sexual abuse and harassment, just a little bit. Uh, it's really important to know we chose this topic 14 months ago, and I crafted the outline of this sermon weeks and weeks ago. So 
I'm not trying to do some topical thing about our Supreme Court nominee, okay? That is not what's happening here. I have not researched that case. I have no argument on the validity of that accusation, okay? And I, but, my, and the, but my main concern is not that you'll think I'm doing that, because I know I'm not. I ask anybody on our planning team. We picked this topic months ago. My main concern is that you will make this about the Supreme Court. This is not about the Supreme Court. This is about the people you know that are hurting. Because everything we said about bullying is true about abuse. Number one, it happens to lots of people. The CDC has been surveying this in different ways, asking various questions. They keep changing the methodology. They've been doing it for 20 years with absolute consistency. One in three girls, one in five boys, sexually abused before 18. It varies a little bit. Maybe sometimes, it, sometimes it's one in four, sometimes it's one in 2.7. But every way they serve it, every way they test it, one in three girls, one in five boys, this happens to a lot of people. 2010 is the latest comprehensive survey one in five women, one in 71 men have been raped sometime in their life. From that same 2010 CDC survey, one in three women, one in four men are a regular victim of partner violence by husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, ex. One in three women, one in four men. This happens to a lot of people. Don't get distracted by the circus in Washington. This is people you know and you love that are being hurt. If you had a kid who was seeing this happen on the playground, you would tell them to intervene. You would tell them to say something or do something and stand up to protect the vulnerable. This is happening. Again, just like in, with bullying, it happens in lots of ways. Uh, abuse happens, it's physical sometimes. It's verbal sometimes, tearing people down with consistent threats and insults. And now it too has merged online. Just like with bullying, it's often based off gender and sexuality some of the abuse is sexual abuse, or it's just harassment. Usually it's men on women, but not only. It can be violent. It can be persistent. Somebody who knew I was preparing this message told me a story of a guy who loudly and rudely asked them out every day for years. And they're just like, I don't know, what, to, what was I supposed to do? Just let them yell at me and shame me every day for years. I, like I, nobody would help me. I mean, what didn't qualify as abuse? I don't even know what it was. It was harassment. It was something. Just like with bullying, it's almost always someone we know. Now, obviously, strangers do it too, and we hear about those crimes in the paper, and that happens. But that's not most of it. Most of it is a partner, a spouse a family member, sometimes it's a parent or a sibling, sometimes it's a child. 
that neglects and abuses their elders. Just like with bullying, most people don't ask for help. Most people don't. I, uh, again, like I say, we picked this topic and the themes we wanted to discuss in this message and what we thought God's Word said about We picked it months ago. Uh, but I don't know if you follow this kind of thing, but um, every once in a while on Twitter, so kind of one a question will just kind of spontaneously arise and everybody will answer it. Um, well, the question this week was why I didn't report. And it was women telling the story of why they didn't tell anybody when they were abused. It's awful. I mean, hundreds of thousands of women are saying things. I, I, read, I was actually up too late last night reading these. It was a depressing way to go to sleep. Uh, somebody says, I didn't report because I knew that I would see them the next day at school and I didn't want them to get violent. Somebody else says, I didn't report because I'd said yes in the past. I didn't think anybody would believe that I said no this time. Somebody said, I didn't report because it was my sibling and I didn't want them to get in trouble. You may know the, um, the really effective Bible teacher, Beth Moore, She's been really uh, leading in a lot of this conversation recently. She said uh, in her Twitter feed, she said this, I didn't report because I couldn't talk about my abuse because I lived with my abuser. That's Beth Moore. Another Christian leader says, I didn't report because I didn't want my parents to know that I was alone with a boy. I thought they would blame me even though I said no and tried to fight him off. I, I, I'll be honest. Um, it took me a while to wrap my head around how rarely people report abuse. Um, I grew up in a world where, you know, my brother gave me a dirty look, I told my parents, you know. <laughs> He's on my side of the car seat, you know. I reported everything. I didn't really believe, I don't think I really got just how hard it is for some victims to report until uh, our first place Betsy and I lived in Johnson City. We were living down kind of near where the Salvation Army is on the corner of Maple and Spring. And one night in the little apartment next to us, um, we heard a woman screaming for help, pots and pans. Betsy called 911. I ran out the front of the road to see if I could help. I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but anyways, I was a scrawny kid then. Anyways, and no, no better now. But there was a woman and having a fight with her boyfriend, and he had a knife. And she was scared, and they were just framed in this picture window and separated by about 10 feet. I was trying to figure out if I had the courage to do anything or not, or what would I do, and I, I don't even know what I would do. Praise God, right at that second, you could hear sirens. He quick ran and put the knife in the drawer. The cops showed up. They come. I'm just standing there on the front road, feeling useless and silly and whatever, don't even know what I'm doing. Eventually, the cops come back out, and they were great. They were so good, so kind to this woman and protected her, were ready to help her. 
But they left, just the, the two police officers left. And the couple was still inside. And um, I say, aren't you going to help her? And they say, well, we can't talk about it. Are you the one who called 911? I said, well, it's my wife, but yeah, we heard him. He said, well, thanks for doing that. I said, aren't you going to help her? And he says, she has nothing to report. I'm like, what do you mean she has nothing to report? I mean, I... He says, there's nothing we can do. I found out later she had a kid. And he only got angry when he got drunk. And he had a decent job. And she had nowhere else to live. So she didn't say anything. Here's the thing. Everything we instinctively know about bullying, we just automatically know it when you're thinking about a kid. All the same stuff is true about abuse. It happens to so many people. It happens in so many ways. It's usually somebody you know, and usually we don't get help, but God wants you to have help, okay? If this is your story today, God wants you to have help. If this is a story from your past, God wants you to have help. As I've started to try to build relationships and be, make myself available for conversation, one of the things I've discovered is so many people who are abused think that it's their fault. Maybe it was their parents or it was a sibling or it was somebody they trusted or it was a partner, and they think, if they did that to me, it must have been my fault. I, I knew a woman, she said that whenever her father got angry, he would say, I wouldn't get this angry if you weren't so bad. And then she married a guy who, whenever he got angry, would say, I wouldn't get this angry if you weren't so bad. And she believed him. And for 40 years, she thought it was her fault. And what this means is, church, if we don't intervene and help, if we don't help bear this burden, they will never think to share this burden because they think it's their fault. Psalm 34 says this. There's a word in here for both the abuser and the abused. Listen to this. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I just need you to know if you're here today and you're thinking I might be a bully or maybe I'm an abuser, you need to know God is always calling us to repent. Always. Our God is a transcendently gracious and merciful God. Don't stay trapped in your cycle. Verse 14 right there. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That word turn just means repent. He goes on. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Our God wants to rescue the abused. 
Just, just, believe, just think that truth for a second. Maybe whisper it to yourself. Our God wants to rescue the abused. Believe it again. Say it one more time. It's so obviously true. It kind of feels silly that we have to say it. Our God wants to rescue the abused. Okay? This is what torn together means. It means that when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person is threatened, we are all threatened. When one person is in danger, we are all in danger. And our God wants to rescue the abused. Look with me again at some of those same verses we read when we were thinking about helping people who are bullied. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Surely those trapped in abuse qualify as the least of these. Psalm 82, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Instead, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. I know this is probably the simplest sermon I've ever preached because every sentence in it is just so obvious. But I do think it needs to be said because I think when people are abused, they start to forget that the rest of us are for us. They believe the abuser and worry that the rest of us are like that too. Our God wants to rescue the abused. And the church, if you pay attention to what that says, the command of God, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked, the church has a special obligation to protect the abused. This is God's task for here. It's God's task for all of his people. So a couple comments. Some of us are in trouble right now. I mean, you read those statistics, we're a big room. That's some of us. Some of us have an old wound that we've been trying to bear on our own for far too long. And we need to find somebody we trust enough to tell. The church would be a good place to start. Some of us have a present danger. You're in a relationship that's not healthy. Somebody in your family has gotten out of control. You need to know that the church is a safe place for you to seek help. So that's the story for some of us. We need to get help for a past wound or a present danger. The story for all of us is that we need to be agents of mercy. We are surrounded by wounded people. Take a minute to just consider the scope of the pain we're talking about and the love of our God for the weak and the oppressed. A couple things, and I know by themselves these seem trivial, but I believe together they could be important. Out of the connections kiosk, uh, down the stairs there, um, bottom of the stairs, we've got a bunch of pamphlets on what are the signs, the warning signs that someone is being abused. Remember, people who are abused rarely ask for help, which means it's on us to be paying attention to them, okay? So maybe you want to pick one of those up. Also on that is a 24-hour hotline. If you know somebody who needs protection right away, there's a number you can call. Johnson City is well-prepared to protect people. We are, our city services and our churches working together are well prepared to protect people. One number, they'll, take, they'll protect them. 
You don't need to worry that, you know, if, if you're in trouble, you just call this number. They'll get you safe. You don't need to worry about that. Here at our church, we've got a Wednesday night support group for those who are in recovery. Show up on Wednesday nights. We have confidential counseling for men and women. Reach out and call the church. All those numbers were in the bulletin last week, but you can track them down again. I would love for us, I think we need to pray about this. Uh, This is so, it's just an epidemic in our culture. We need to be on our knees asking God to make people brave enough to seek help. It's hard to do. Let me end with two thoughts. Number one, if you are in a cycle where you are hurting other people, God wants you to stop and he wants to help you get out. Don't let your pride keep you in this cycle. You ask for help. You repent. Don't let other people pay for you being too stubborn to get help. And the second thing is this. If you are being hurt or you have been hurt, that is not your fault. That is not your fault. God is not judging you for that. God has not rejected you from that. God does not want you to be torn apart. God knows you're torn, but he wants us to be torn together because when the church cares for one another, even when we have been hurt in these most vulnerable of ways, in that moment, God can truly rescue us. Let's pray. Gracious God, We need to be rescued. We are weak and vulnerable, waiting for someone to come and rescue us. God, I just pray for all the, what I know is dozens and dozens of people who have been hurt in this way by a bully or an abuser. God, I just pray that they would know your love for them. They would know that this church is a safe place where they will not be rejected or despised, but they will be heard, they will be loved, they will be protected, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, they will be healed. This is our prayer for this and every church. May we be, by your grace, torn together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.